0: And I think Joe is going to do some huge things. And I know there were a lot of other opportunities on the table. He alluded to them on Spotify, and I'm sure everybody wanted to be in business. But um, this might be the harder road, but I think that the Joe Budden Podcast Network is uh, is absolutely here to stay, and, and I am, you know, eager to support them.
1: I think the pot will always be a voice for the people. Hey, everybody. I'm Reggie Williams, founder and CEO of Ambrosia for Heads. And with me, I have Jake Payne, our editor-in-chief. Together, this is What's the Headline, our podcast, season two. First of all, I got to say, yo, how dope was it to to kick off the season last week with the locks?
0: Man, it was great. That was, uh, that was, that was tight. I know, uh, you know, Jada and Styles were each running around doing a few things, but they certainly opened up with our questions and, Truly, like I've said it to my friends, um, Living Off Experience is my favorite LOX album. Like, that's no hyperbole. I know there's a lot of people that love Money, Power, Respect, and a lot of people that love, you know, the second album, We Are the Streets. But this one has, is the most I've had the LOX in rotation, you know, on a group level, you know, uh, on, on any album they've done.
1: Yeah, you know, it was that's the first Zoom interview I've ever done with a person driving and that was pretty gangster <laughs> with <Yeah. laughs> Styles, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. he didn't miss a beat, you know. Uh he was focused on us and the road, so it's pretty dope, you know. Um yeah. and seeing Jada in the park and, and you mentioned like uh Styles ended up um you know, I recognize that that bowling alley up in Westchester, you know, it's pretty pretty dope to see those landmarks but them truly living, you know, still living, uh, you know uh, the the life they they rap about so it's pretty dope.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very cool. And that's one thing that's you know, uh, you know, social media ruined a lot of mystique for things over the years, like when you can see your favorite artist's thoughts 24-7 and like these Zoom interviews are are inconvenient in a lot of ways. I know a lot of people, myself included, don't love them, you know, just like the calls and all that. But when you can see people that you admire or have listened to or known for a long
1: time in their element um yeah, that's just that's cool. And I'm yeah, I mean, those guys. We talk about listening to East Coast music on the East Coast and West Coast music on the West, but like seeing, you know, dudes at the landmarks they're actually talking about is pretty pretty dope. So word. Yeah. 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 So um, you know, heavy week for uh, a lot of us. Um, uh, you know, Brianna Taylor. Um, you know, I was talking to a, a friend of mine and you know, he was saying, Look, you know, he kind of suspected that's where things were going to go once they, they paid the family, the money they did. Um, it almost seemed like it was a way for them to try and uh, get out of jail free, like literally, you know what I mean? But um, definitely still stung. Uh, I got to say though, man, I've been numb to it, dude, like since 1992 when the Rodney King verdict happened, you know, when we, you know, we finally thought, you know, okay, we've been hearing about this. We've been living this experience of like police brutality. And now we finally got it on camera, you know, like Ice Cube had that song from the predator who got the camera. It was like, okay, this is it. Like the world is going to see and finally we'll get justice. And when that verdict went the way it did, you know, it showed that like it had nothing to do with the truth or the circumstance. It was really just, you know, um, you know, people just did what they wanted to. As vigilante. They could do whatever they wanted to. There was never going to be any accountability. So now, fast forward 2016, you know, 2012 through 2016, you had Trayvon all the way up through Alton Sterling and Philanica Castile, And it's just wave after wave after wave after wave of video killings, you know what I mean? With no prosecution or, or minimal, you know, very sporadic. Yeah. I don't know. At a certain point, you just, you just feel known to it, man. But I'm glad that people are still out in the streets, like protesting peacefully, you know, um, you know, raising awareness, but yeah, it, it gets heavy. It's a lot, you know, but what, what was your take on it?
0: Yeah, I, um, you know, it, it hit me hard. There were two nights this week. I, I really just had a very, very hard time falling asleep. My mind was racing. I was, um, you know, really upset. This is coming. Um, yeah. I mean, just in a year <laughs> and, just a season beyond a year of, of just injustice. And like you said, the, the, the settlement happening and then the city of Louisville, you know, preparing for riots, uh, I think 48, 72 hours before the grand jury, you know, came back, um, kind of said it, it, it led me to anticipate the worst. And what just really breaks my heart about this is, you know, Brianna Taylor literally served meals to officers. And, you know, I, I, I don't often get um very political or very social. I'm not a big social media guy. I have this year more than ever, but you know, I, I shared something that my friend Luke and a lot of artists I saw, you know, the neighbors drywall got more justice than Brianna Taylor. And um that's that's heartbreaking, especially for a woman that committed no crime and literally um served the people that took her life. And, yeah, uh, this is a uh, this is a very very jarring time, and I know the city of Louisville. I mean, you have some, some experience there, I do too. Um, it's a place I've I've always said like a city that I thought I could live someday. Man, uh, you know, just knowing that there's institutional injustice like this is, uh, yeah, nah. So um,
1: yeah, yeah, I've been watching the games and, and the players to the credit. You know, um, every time there's post game interview. Um, I'm sure this is something that they they brokered with um, you know, the different sports networks, but you know they, they typically ask three questions afterwards, and every time I've watched, one of the three has been about social justice, which has been pretty amazing. You know, seeing um, Jamal Murray, you know, with Brianna Taylor, like drawn on his shoes, and him saying he's playing for a bigger purpose. LeBron obviously being very vocal, but he mentioned something the other day. You know, he, he did, it was almost like a minute and a half, two minute answer about you know, how he was feeling about things, but he really personalized it. And that Ray John Rondo is, is from Louisville. That's something I didn't know before. Me neither. And so for him to be, um, you know, literally, you know, living that through the lens of his hometown is pretty, pretty, pretty deep, you know. And that the Bucks with Milwaukee, like, this is, this is hitting home like not even close to home sitting home for a lot of these guys so you know
0: yeah absolutely um you know it 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 truly is a a tragedy and you know i don't know if uh you and i will end up talking about you know tory lane's meg the stallion um you know a lot of developments have happened in the kind of hiatus we've taken since season one but yeah i mean there's an overarching theme of, of 2020 and it's this call to action of protecting black women and so as that's happening to watch a black woman, um, who's not here to see it, not met with any, you know, justice. I don't care what the settlement was for $12 or or 12 million. Um, it's just not right. You know?
1: Yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier that you're not a super political dude, or at least not publicly. Um, know, it was always hard for us when we were doing the site daily, uh, to figure out that balance. Like how much did we cover stuff like this and Kaepernick and, you know all the issues that we did touch on versus, you know, really just sticking to hip hop and entertainment and you know keeping it light because people do need an escape as well. And the balance we struck it was case by case always. You know, um, I do think that we were very active and had a strong voice in things, which I'm very proud of and I think it's necessary when you think about hip hop. Hip hop is so many things. You know, it started off as party music quickly evolved into political you know, music and I think it's a myriad of all those things at this point. So I never thought it was off base for us to have it, uh, a voice in it. You know, um, hip hop has been the politics of the streets for years, you know, yeah. it CNN of the streets, um, you know, and it touches on everything. It's our, our form of expression of the world is how we, you know, the lens through which we see it, um, you know, but it's always a balance, because I do think that after a while it gets overwhelming, you know, but but what was your take on how we, what, how we struggled that line?
0: Yeah, I mean, you and I were talking about it um, in, in one of our early episodes, I 100% stand by that, and I think it's, it's too easy and too passive to be connected with hip-hop, and not just cover it, but live it, and not take social and political action, and when I say that for me, um, you know one of my one of my male idols is my grandfather, and you know <laughs> he used to say to me like don't talk about politics, religion, or sex yeah. and on my personal brand've I've adhered to that to many years, but on I have to say like 2016 I had the election I've never put like a sign in my yard or any of that I've, I've voted and I've been willing to talk to anyone about why I vote the way I do, same with you know those other tenants but I got a little bit vocal in 16 and in 2020, especially, and I know I, I use this phrase a lot, especially as as a, a white guy who has made a living in, in hip hop and, you know, immersed himself in the culture and have so many loved ones that are people of color for me to be silent is for me to be complicit. Um, so yeah, when that verdict came in, you know, the the black squares that people put up, you know, five months ago were cool but what are we doing about it now? And there have been protests in Philly this weekend. I haven't participated, but I fully plan on it in in the, like tomorrow, like the days ahead regarding um, what happened in Louisville. So absolutely, I do believe that on a personal side, as well as on, you know, an AFH side, you gotta gotta walk it like you talk it, And, and now more than ever. And I know we're not, you know, communicating on a daily basis through the site anymore, but you best believe from the music that's coming out as reaction to this to just some of the important lifestyle developments, I believe that we would be entrenched in these discussions.
1: Yeah, man. And I've been focused. I agree. Uh, you know, the protests are important to raise awareness. The social justice, the social media uh, activism is important to raise awareness, but it's got to be coupled with real action, you know, and you know, I've been vocal about this, about it being economic primarily because we are a capitalist society and it's money that moves things no matter what, it always comes down to the money, you know. Um, the other thing is um, I've been super focused on our right to vote and, you know, in the past it's been get out to vote. Now, like, I think it's got the narrative, has gotta be like protect our, you know, our right to vote because it's being suppressed in crazy, crazy ways, I' you know. So we know about the mail being slowed down. I've just heard uh, that they've actually been taking mailboxes up off the street, like, yeah. and you know, and even if you are able to exercise your right to vote via mail, like, uh, you know, Trump is like, you know, saying that it, it's illegitimate, like that, you know, they're fraudulent. And so, the the cars are so stacked against us exercising our right to vote that I'm just 100% like every day going hard on that as much as I can. And I love the fact that LeBron is also taking a huge stand in that with more than a vote, you know? So, you know, um, anybody out there, I encourage you to go to vote.org, more than a vote, um, .com or .org. I'm not sure, but just Google more than a vote and really understand how you can best exercise your rights to vote locally now. Cause like, we've never seen anything like it. Mistakes are, are just ridiculously high, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I, and I encourage anyone like, you know, um, you know, that you go to those gatherings back when gatherings existed and they'd be like, say hi to the person next to you. If you know somebody in your life that might not be voting or just as one of those kind of like, Hey, I don't vote. Cause what's my voice matter. Stay on them. Like each one, teach one with this, with this election in particular
1: um, as De law <laughs> said, the stakes are very high. You know? Yeah. So back to uh, our regularly scheduled programming, you said, Toy Lanes and Meg The Stallion. Uh, it has been uh, a ridiculous back and forth. You know, I, I've, you know, it's, I see that a lot of it is tabloidism, and neither artist is one that we've covered like you know, regularly on the site, which is why yeah. I've been reticent to get into it. You know, uh, but you you highlighted some themes that I think are important to discuss. So his album came out, and it's it's underperformed. Um, uh, Takashi 69's album came out and surprisingly underperformed, especially given the reception that he was getting on Instagram and you know his videos on YouTube and stuff like that. And you had said, um, is this an indication that people are starting to ignore the, the the nonsense, you know, and not get pulled in by like you know you know the the craziness that people are doing, the trolling and all that other stuff? But what, what do you think? Is you think that's the case, or you think? Because the music like it seems like it's popular, but like um, why do you think these projects have not performed with that they thought they would
0: I think it 's a mixture of both I mean, to be clear in both of those instances, and this is why i 'm glad i don 't have as a daily operational listen to everything i haven 't checked tory 's album, so i can 't speak to the quality of it um, and, nor six nines um, and and admittedly while i've i 've had to do some writing on each over the years. I've never, I've never, um, identified as a, as a fan of either, but I do think people are using the mute button differently. Um, you know, and and the mute button being their choices, sort of like what you were saying with the dollar, like, you know, if, if I don't agree with Donald Trump, I might not buy New Balance shoes because their CEO is one of, you know, his primary donors. So you, you start to learn things and you spend your dollars differently. And for me, You know, if you feel like Tory Lanez exploited a situation that very nearly, um, you know, definitely did endanger a black woman and and could have gotten far more serious, then you don't tune in. You don't have to. Um, And to me, this is different than 11 years ago when, if you would have told me after the Rihanna incident that Chris Brown would still be, you know, an A-list pop star, I would have never believed you. But it felt like within a year of that... Chris Brown hadn't lost a step in terms of his profile and magnitude. Um, and I think that Chris Brown is a different level of artist than Tori Lane's or, or, or Takashi, but Tori came into 2020 extremely strong was one of the leaders of you making quarantine co- content that was, you know, viral and interesting. And in the wake of this, I don't, that's not stock I want to buy. And I think a lot of people are upset and just simply, not paying attention?
1: Well, two things have happened, you know, since Chris Brown, two major things. Uh, one is the Me Too movement. And the other is, you know, the movement that this happened after George Floyd. And you couple those two things, you know, George Floyd is, is obviously, you know, saying that people need to value and respect and acknowledge Black Lives Matter. You know? um, and then Me Too was its own separate movement, you know, saying that women, um, you know should not be objectified should you know you know people don't have the right to uh, assault them mentally, sexually, you know whatever it might be, just the, the full blown movement against that and, and I think for uh, for black people, the height of that became uh, R Kelly, his downfall because that had happened for years, and you know you know what whatever he's been doing has been happening for decades, but he wasn't held accountable for it until you know, late into the Me Too movement. And so I think that those things do show that there's a different respect, uh, value, and protection of of Black womanhood. Um, And so I can see that. Um, But do you think it's that deep with the Tory Lanez thing, or do you think it's just that people just aren't checking for him because he did something that people think, or or people think he did something that was ridiculous?
0: I think in both of these cases, you know, Takashi and Tory these guys are fanning the flames with the hype. Like, yes, every hip hop, you know, mainstream site is covering the hell out of both of these guys, Um, but they make music that, you know, you know, Takashi came back with a, you know, here's why I snitched sort of campaign. And from what I understand of Tory's release on Friday, it uses it as a platform to address the Meg thing, um, which I feel a lot of people have deemed you know, exploitational and opportunistic and thus being like, nah, this ain't the one. If you would have put out an album um, that would have stand on its own merits, it might be a totally different story. Um, Cause certainly, you know, in the case of Tory, you know, he does have fans and we did cover him on AFH, you know, on his own merits a few times. Yeah. We covered him when he said something stupid to Royce, the five nine, but I believe the first time he hit the site was a funk flex freestyle which showed that this guy was a really interesting multi and bigger than a beef with Drake, which was the first time I really remember kind of giving him credence. Yeah. But yeah. You know,
1: no, that's true. He can rap. The dude can rap. I mean, you know, he, he, he has definitely been a master troll, um, different than Takashi, but definitely similar tactics. Um, you know, it also might be that just we're at a time where people just don't have room you know, in their lives for that kind of like nonsense. You know, like there's just a lot going on. As, yeah. as the way we started off this podcast, and I found that when things are generally pretty stable and good, is when you know people are open to you know the nonsense and like horror films and things like that that like just shake you up and like you know make you psychologically uncomfortable. You know, I would live in one or, or otherwise, <laughs> right? And, and when, when you're living in it, you just don't, you don't, you don't want to see that, you know, um, there's certain shows I don't want to see now that are just too, too disturbing, too, you know, Handmaid's Tale and things like that. It's like feels way too real. Yeah. So it could be, could be some of that too. You know?
0: And that's the interesting thing. I mean, it's no longer $16 at FYE or tower or wherever, you know, mom and pop, you bought your CDs and records. Now it's attention. And, you know, I woke up Friday morning, and we'll talk about some of this cause it was a big week in music and, you wake up. And for me as a fan, amidst everything else I'm doing, I come up with a strategy. So for me, uh, a new album from Elzai is light years ahead of, you know, an artist that's fringe for me. But as the day goes on and I see that, you know, suddenly you have Rick Ross who has his own experience, um, you know, being condemned, uh, you know, for lyrics against women and whatnot, you have Rick Ross coming at Tori and Tori, like it suddenly gets interesting where, you know, apart from the music you do have to pay some attention but yeah I don't um unless I'm compelled to for something I don't know I have no reason to listen to Tori's new album.
1: Yeah you know so uh we're talking about TV and the Emmys were last week Mm -hmm. um Eddie Murphy received his first ever Emmy for his uh return guest appearance on Saturday Night Live um you know It's interesting because I think a lot of people, myself included, believe he kind of got snubbed without getting more awards for Dolomite. Mm. Uh, I thought that was one of his, maybe his best role ever. It combined his comedic genius, uh, his acting chops. um, It was a phenomenal story. Um, It was a biopic, which typically gets people those kind of accolades, you know. Um, And he was nominated for a lot of things, but didn't really take home a lot of hardware. Um, this, to me, seemed almost like, you know, the honorary, like, Grammys that, like, Public Enemy was given, honorary <laughs> Oscars that, that Spike Lee was given, you know, well-deserved, but an easy way to kind of, you know, celebrate his career, you know, especially given that he's going back to SNL and, like, do a all of his classic characters and things like that. So it's good in that sense, but it also seemed to me to be a bit of a disservice and, uh, like I said, a cop-out because he's gone on to do so many things that uh, have uh, so much more depth than the stuff he did on SNL. You know, it's like they put him in a box and they're going to celebrate him when he's he's back in that box but not allow allow him to show his diversity. But what, what were your thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, also, I mean, the Emmys are TV and, you know, SNL wouldn't be here if Eddie Murphy... Wasn't part of that cast in the early and mid nineteen eighties, early eighties, you know, and that's I'm not the first person with that opinion. So you're absolutely right. It's like a retroactive um, flowers, even in addition to Dolomite and everything else. And I wish that you know you've worked on so many award shows, and I wish that I wish that awards would would keep it real. Like I think that BET did a great job this year with the music, but I wish that you know Emmys and the Grammys would really give it to who deserves it. And, and Eddie, we are, we're part of a culture of reconsidering Eddie Murphy. And we know that, you know, with coming to America too, or coming back to America that, you know, I, I think that for the next five years, we're going to watch Eddie Murphy um, go up some more levels, uh, you know, almost like he was destined to do, you know, somewhere in the early nineties. Um, but yeah, I, this isn't the award to give him. Um, and I'm glad he has an Emmy, but I think even Eddie would agree, like, there's so many other things he's done with television that, that deserved it years ago,
1: you know? Yeah. You know, I've had this idea. I've had it for a long time. Um, I want to do it, but if anybody out there is looking to do an award show and has the capability and wants a jacket, feel free. But uh, I have wanted to do something called the Retro Awards, where every year you look back, you know, call it 15 or 20 years, but you pick, you know, a, a specific time frame. You look back on that year and you go back and you revisit all the major uh, awards across the board, you know, from Grammys to Emmys to Oscars to whatever it might be. And you, you go back and you give the award to the thing that really should, that deserved it, you know, the thing that was like, critically acclaimed, that endured the test of time, you know. And so, example, 2013, you go back and you give Kendrick Best Rap Album you know, uh, you give him best album of the year, you know, uh, for 2017, for 2018, Um, you know, but things like that where you, you correct kind of the, the wrongs of, you know, politics or popularity or whatever it might have been.
0: That's a dope concept. And to do it across the board, um, especially with the kind of access that is available now to artists where, you know, hopefully you can drum up enough Uh, hype and also produce it well enough where Kendrick accepts it you know what I mean like and do it that way I always um I actually liked when the source um went back and redid some of their ratings I think Rolling Stone may have done that even before the source but yeah I mean you know so many of these things are wrong and to do it with grace and power and celebration Man, that, that, would be a,
1: that would be a phenomenal idea. And yeah, yeah, I mean, that's probably the reason why, you know, the Kanye's, the Drake's, people like that don't go to award shows anymore because they don't believe in the validity of it. You know, even Kendrick stopped going, you yeah. know. Um,
0: even when they win, I feel like, you know, they don't believe in the validity of it because, yeah, I mean, there's some level of you got to throw a win out every so often to keep those seats filled. And, you know, Drake's Grammy speech at the beginning of 2019 was was so dope because he basically negated the whole – you know, medium.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Eddie got the win, um, you know, for Dolomite or so for SNL. Um, when I think about Dolomite, Dolomite part of what it inspired me about it was the fact that I had no idea in watching those films back in the day because, you know, I was back in, back in the 90s, I was watching those films because they were quoted a lot in, you know, Snoop films, Snoop albums and like Dre albums and things like that. So you, you went back and checked them out. And, but I had no idea that the guy was putting that stuff out on his own, through his own, you know, raising the capital to finance them through his own networks and, you know, getting them in theaters. I had no idea the grind that he had. And I found it to be deeply inspirational, especially given the grind that I've been on and you've been on with me, like, and, and trying to make this thing happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, recently Joe Budden has been in the news um, so Joe, you know, I worked with Joe for about a year or so trying to get his podcast on TV uh, because, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I had seen him, you know, I liked his music I um, never really got into the love and hip hop stuff. But I saw him on a um, Hot 97 interview and it was him. He went in to talk about something and it, it ended up it was Ebro Rosenberg. Um, and one other person that they brought in. Marissa Mendez. Marissa, yeah, Marissa, right. And 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 Marissa had been an intern there like, at, with, with Budden and left. And, like, it, it ended up being almost an interrogation where the three of them went at Budden for, like, 35, 40 minutes, something like that. And watching him, like, withstand that scrutiny and, you know, and answer the questions and, like, uh, just, like, his... It was amazing, it was like Neil in The Matrix, the way he was diving those bullets and like manipulating the situation. I thought he was a really special uh, mind, you know, and I really enjoyed that interview. I um, remember writing an article and posting it. And then, you know, his manager Ian, who uh, is a friend of mine who I've worked with a lot in, in a lot of different capacities, uh, called me to you know, let me know we were looking, they were looking to do that. So we worked together and I sat and talked with Joe And it was at that time that I really realized what a star he would be because he's really, uh, you know, engaging, charismatic, um, you know, speaks his truth, very powerful voice, very strong, you know, intellect, obviously. Um, You know, and for whatever reason, the show didn't work out, but obviously things worked out like magnificently for, for him since then. So I applaud that. And I've always been a fan from afar, but what's happened in the last three or four weeks is that he went on a campaign not dissimilar from what he did at Complex when his everyday struggle, where he was very transparent about the issues that he was facing with Spotify and his uh, disgruntlement with um, the economics they were offering him to re-up, given the role that he played. And in his mind, and I believe this firmly, he was kind of the guinea pig as they were moving into the podcast space. And it was through his podcast that he validated the model of, you know, we should shift to talk. And I know from being in the industry, as long as I have been, you know, what I used to do back in the day was, uh, you know, get music rights for different platforms. They're incredibly, incredibly expensive. Uh, It's cost prohibitive. You know, you cannot be in a business that relies on licensing music and survive because the margins are just too thin. They take too much money. It's impossible to do. So Spotify, even though it's gigantic and, you know, um, by far the biggest streaming platform for music outside of YouTube, and that's the Dirty Little Secret too. But um, they were never profitable because the the rates they were paying to the labels and publishers were too high. So by moving into podcasts, they radically transformed their ability to become profitable because they controlled the IP, they paid people a salary, even if they paid them a percentage, it was far less than the percentage they were paying to labels. And Budden is the person who absolutely validated that model. Became the number one music podcast in the world, um, you know, and very cheap outfit. I have no idea what the economics of the deal were, but um, I'm I'm certain that Spotify made a t- ton of money from it. And Budden gets very very specific about it in his podcast. He estimates nine figures, right? He estimates nine <laughs> figures, and and you know when you, I don't I I highly doubt that his podcast alone generated that, and I'm not even sure that's the point he's trying to make. I think what he's saying is that the business that ensued because of what they established was a nine-figure impact yeah. word that i don't doubt you know um and so joe was very vocal about that um he got into some things with, with uh, a, you know uh, a conversation that he had with charlemagne where uh, charlemagne was uh, uh, he says was telling him to kind of take the check and budden said he wasn't going to do it and that he was going to be making moves um and so stay tuned and now within the last week or so Uh, It turns out the moves he's making is to uh, leave Spotify and create his own network. Um, You know, I am a huge believer in ownership, uh, of uh, entrepreneurship, especially for Black people. It is difficult, as you know, personally from the, 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 the struggles that we've had to get the kind of funding that you need, especially as a Black person. There's a systemic racism out there that is uh, prevalent, no matter what your background is, no matter what your um, track record is, no matter what your success level is, because we're reaching 15 million people a month, and yet we struggle to raise money, right? Yeah. Um, so for, but for someone to stay in business and command that and do so on his own terms and turn down it, uh, what I assume is a pretty substantial paycheck. And he said that, you know, it was a check that would, change the lives, not only for himself, but for his partners, you know, model and, and Rory, Rory um, parks, yeah. and parks. Uh, so for him to go out and do that, I think is highly commendable, something that should be celebrated, you know, um, you know, a rock really hard with that move, a rock really hard with him for you know, taking ownership. But, you know, what has, what are your thoughts about the, the whole situation, the way it unfolded?
0: Man, yeah, I really dig the way you said that all. I, um, you know, I've been a fan of Joe Budden for 20 years. 20 years ago, my friend Luke used to send me, you know, stuff from his Clue and Cutmaster C tapes. And I carried that into his music career. I'm not a loving hip hop guy, but when Joe was on it, I was tuned in for, you know, Tahiri denying his, you know, engagement offer. So I followed Joe through and to watch what he's done over the last five years was remarkable. And you're absolutely right. Somewhere in 2016, 17, it's like, He put, he put that final album out and it just like turbo boosts on. Um, I remember, you know, the hot 97 moment that you speak of and, you know, him rallying against complex Eminem going out and getting, you know, state of the culture, uh, partnering with cash app for, you know, their, their interview series. Um, Joe just blows me away. And I love like, to me, um, you know, we've seen Will Smith and queen Latifah and different people go to Hollywood we've seen hip-hop go to business you know Andre Harrell started out in Jekyll and Hyde you've seen all of these different moves but Joe you know took it to a whole new place becoming the media man and um, I don't agree with everything that he says um, but I've become an avid listener of that podcast not just for understanding the space anymore but out of out of respect and, and pleasure and enjoyment and to watch him do this and make the harder decision is super inspiring and I really you know um, it really resonated with me a few things that he said in that in that move is you know of just how, as a creator, which I feel in in almost twenty years of journalism, I feel like a creator, how much time is not valued you know he spoke about how Spotify needed them to tape on new year's eve and tape on christmas day and do all of that and i really related to how hard i've worked at the things i've been part of and you just really can't get time away um but to you know finally declare your own value and do this i think it's phenomenal i think we'd be remiss not to mention the late combat jack who you know was working on a similar on his level um with the loudspeakers network you know in the years before his death of trying to create black ownership for us, by us. Um, And I think Joe is going to do some huge things. And I know there were a lot of other opportunities on the table. He alluded to them on Spotify and I'm sure everybody wanted to be in business, but um, this might be the harder road, but I think that the Joe Budden podcast network is, uh, is absolutely here to stay. And, and I am, you know, eager to support them.
1: Yeah, it's a different level, man, Um, being on your own. It's a different level of wealth if you are successful. And you look at uh, people like Puff and Jay, uh, you know, I actually um, sat in on an interview with Jay-Z once when I was at BET, and uh, I asked the final question. Um, I asked him how much he thought his success was due to the fact that he always controlled his own destiny, you know, through Rockefeller, and uh, Rock Aware, and, you know, ultimately Rock Nation. Like, he always took that path of ownership versus, uh, you know, getting a check, you know, Def Jam, aside, right. And, you know, I don't think that's, it's coincidence that he and Puff are, you know, billionaires now. You know, and you, you look at, um, you know, Dre, it was when he took an ownership stake in Beats, uh, and that, that he became a billionaire. And so it's a much harder road, uh, but it leads to that kind of success when you think about like long term moguls and hip hop like, like, like uh birdman and, and master P and you know people like that uh, on on a, on just on more the music side and you know so i I, I celebrate it, and even if it doesn 't turn into monumental wealth there 's a different level of respect and autonomy yeah. and self worth that you have when you have your own thing you know and so uh, yeah, I commend it man and yeah, you know, so one of his first moves, getting back to uplifting black women, was to uh, announce a new podcast uh, called "See the Thing Is." Great title. And it features three, yeah, it features three black women: Bridget Kelly, Mandy B, and DJ Olivia Doe. Now, Bridget Kelly is another one, man. Um, I was working on a pilot when I was at BET, and uh, a lot of people, you know, many of whom people know uh that I won't name but like Bridget Kelly was one and I always saw her you know I knew her as an artist because this is like you know 2013 2014 and you know she was bubbling then um you know definitely making a name for herself on the music scene phenomenal voice but when I saw her on the screen in a hosting capacity Mm. man she popped like she just like she is like got such a great wit and uh, presence about her great insight. And so I have no doubt that she's going to bring an incredibly prominent voice to the podcast. I don't know the other two women, um, but, you know, just based on the fact that Bridget's a part of it, I, I think it's going to be dope. And I'm sure that Joe has got a great eye for this too. I love the yeah. fact that he said that he's going to cede complete control to them because it's, you know, women talk about women things and like, he has no business in it. But I'm excited, man. Um, I'm excited to see this go and thrive and um, I'm excited for him as a person, you know, seeing his evolution. Uh, yeah. I think it's incredible and I'm excited for the inspiration it's going to bring for all those out there who, you know, that um, there's another way, you know, you don't have to, you know, and i got a, I don't know if you see my shirt, but it says Chase Dreams. Um not the not, bag, not, not jobs. Not bro. jobs, you know. So um so yeah, I dig it. I dig it. That's a dope shirt. Yeah, I do too.
0: And and one other thing I'll say, you know, in, in relation to see the thing is that's a great move. I mean, so many women, I know so many of, of my friends listen to the Joe Budden podcast. But I mean, anyone who listens knows that it's very, you know, very much from a male uh perspective sometimes you know to its own detriment so for the next move to be like yo let's come with a female perspective is cool it it kind of in its own way reminds me of like you know the the male versus female answer records of the 80s and 90s because you know I'm sure both of these podcasts will be filtering the week's events and different things and perspectives so to have both is, is just a really cool
1: move when um you know, the sexes are interacting this way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, more to come on that, but I I think it's a win, uh, for, for hip hop, for, you know, for podcasting, for entrepreneurs. And so celebrate that, you know, uh, um, celebrate that anytime I can. Um, another thing that was excellent this week, in my opinion, was Travis Scott's new video for franchise. Uh, I mean, it starts off, with footage of Michael Jordan driving in the red Range Rover like, from The Last know, Dance. Yeah, from The Last Dance, like exiting his his uh, his mansion uh, in Chicago, the two three gates, the whole nine. And then you see Travis and his crew rolling up in vintage, like, you know, like... Uh, NSX, Acura, all the cool yeah. cars yeah. Well, I know you would know. What, what sure. years were those generally? What era was that?
0: I think they launched either 89 or 91, somewhere in there. But it's right. all period correct. Like, right. everything yeah. Every super too.
1: period correct. So MJ leaves, and then they invade, you know, yeah. in, into his space. And they take over the, the Jordan uh, mansion, and, uh, you know, and madness ensues. But that was that guy has made some of the most creative videos I've ever seen in my life. Not just like in the last decade, but like sicko mode. I went back and watched that like incredible, incredible video, um, you know, uh, highest in the room, another incredible video. Like you and I have lamented the fact that especially in hip hop, a lot of people think a video is just standing around in the street, you know, me mugging the camera, you know, holding your gun, holding your alcohol.
0: Rubbing or, your chin.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Or like, you know, being at a pool or wherever with right. a, a lot of scantily clad women. Like, this guy, like, takes videos and makes them an art form again. And I'm wondering if you think that he is, well, first of all, what did you think of the video? And secondly, do you think that he is the best in the business right now in terms of making music videos? Not just yes. in hip-hop, but in general.
0: Yeah, yes, yes, and yes. I mean, I think that, um, first of all, I love that you and I spent time on this podcast and a lot of texts just between us on how much we love The Last Dance. And one of my favorite things was that archival footage. Even that sequence of Jordan, and I think I think Ahmad Rashad was riding shotgun um, going into the game in the range. Uh, like, that to me was, like, those moments captured, you know, the spirit of Jordan. So to have this concept you know, spin off of that, I love all things nineties I'm a huge you know uh car guy, as you know, and um phenomenal video makes me want to play the song ten times more, and the song's dope on its own um so that said, yeah, I do i think I think Travis Scott is on level with beyonce. I think that you know in that one that point one percent, and I certainly think from the hip hop space, no one's doing it better, and um he's shown so many different styles of videos um he doesn't take himself too seriously but he takes the production of the videos seriously and i i truly believe that you know it seems like and you and i dealt with this um you know at afh is travis scott is one of the greatest artists of our time and he's been a hard convert i think for a lot of meat and potatoes hip hop heads to understand his genius and one of the ways you're going to do that is go to a show and i remember you texting me like, oh, my God, this concert is absolutely incredible. But I really encourage everyone that lumps Travis Scott in with his generational peers or his regional peers or however you perceive Travis Scott. If you're not up on things, watch this video, um, because truly this he's so versatile and he's so polished. You
1: know? Yeah. You know, he did a uh, back room for BT and I programmed. Uh all those backroom freestyles um, for one oh six in park and um yeah it was for bars it was for like coming in and spitting and he didn't like do that you know I can't remember what he did and it was like one of the more um disappointing ones for me you know I'm not even sure it aired um but then I saw him perform on one oh six and he did uh 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 um uh, uh Another another level, um, no, that's, that's up for um, Upper Echelon. He did Upper Echelon. And it was so, the energy was so off the charts just watching him. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's a superstar. It could just completely change my, my perspective on the dude like in an instant. And then I went to um, the uh, Summer Jam, the Hot 97 Summer Jam. And it's the one where there were like – Riots and like you know they brought in the police and they shut it down. Yeah. I had left. I had gone to the earlier part outside in the parking lot. And then I went back to get my son because we were going to come back and, and catch Kendrick. So it was super disappointing not to catch Kendrick. But like the, the in the parking lot, I wrote a piece about it. It was it was like a riot. Like he was mm. telling people to come and jump over the security gates and like you know telling the security guards not to touch anybody, and like you know and it it felt like anything could happen. Like they could just tear down the stage, but he also had full control of the audience. Yeah. I had never, it was scary. It was exhilarating. It was like, you know, his energy was just off the charts. The guy is, he's special. And every time I've seen him in a concert since then, it's been like that, you know, um, it's just, you're right. He is, he is unlike anyone else in his generation. Um, from a different standpoint, different than a Kendrick, he's artistic in a different kind of way. It, it's not necessarily the lyrics, it's the entire presentation
0: yeah energy uh, is huge with him too and and absolutely and i love that like you know i remember the only time i've ever i always tell people the only time i've ever been scared at a hip-hop show was at a jedi mind tricks concert in philly that a friend invited me to because literally you had guys punching each other in the face moshing going crazy and i remember at the end of the night i was like that felt really good like i've gone to hardcore and punk shows you know as a younger guy and travis brings some of that energy to hip-hop and he does it with music that is in all different chambers. yeah, I mean he he is it's Kendrick is very cerebral and certainly there's a feeling, there's a guttural feeling, but with Travis it's this it's this giant release and it took me years, like, you know, um uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Damn <laughs>
0: yeah. It took me uh it took me <laughs> took me years to appreciate what Travis was up to, but uh yeah. And, you know, one of the turning points I was with you was uh, we were at a Roots after party. Jazzy Jeff was DJing and he went in on Antidote. And I just remember the crowd going nuts and to watch one of the greatest turntablists of all time, be able to, you know, fuck up a classic record like that and get the crowd so hype. I was like, yo, this is, you know, this is around
1: for a mighty long time. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned Beyonce. Like, it's funny because when I was kind of going through my mental list of people who are like cutting edge in video, I didn't even think of Beyonce because I was thinking short form, you know. Yeah. But but she's been on a, a a whole different level for the last several years. I mean, Lemonade was like that was yeah. just unbel- from start to finish unreal, and uh, you know, and um, the Netflix special was incredible too. Just like. Just unbelievable, like just so so great. And I haven't watched the the Lion King because I just you know I, I don't check for that. But like um, I'm sure visually it's stunning too. Yeah. So Beyonce is is a whole different level because she's like you know she's coming up with full length films you know which is you know just crazy. Um, But who on a short form video side would you say is like a competing? I think Kendrick, you know and. You know, sick, both sicko mode and like humble, and uh, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think um, uh, element maybe, or um, Dave Myers had a hand in them, you know. Yeah. Um, so that guy is clearly like off the charts. Um, the little homies, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, little homies for sure. So Kendrick. Who else would you say is, yeah, Cardi B, I think the WAP video is spectacular, you know? Yeah. Oh, most
0: definitely. Whether you like it or not, I mean, just that level of production for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, Nikki for a time, I don't know Nikki right now would be on that level. Um, Jay for a time, again, like Jay videos these days, that doesn't seem to be
1: an area of focus for him. Yeah. Um, so well, I mean, back in the day you had Missy, you had, you had a lot of people right. back in the day, but it's become a lost art form. You right. know? So like, who do you, who do you see consistently doing at that level besides Travis or is there anyone?
0: The next tier is, I think you said, said, you know, Kendrick and Cardi. That's, that's really, um, that's where I go. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that anyone else, you know, because the new guys haven't proven themselves like that. Migos has made some dope videos, but not three, four or five in a row. Um, And with Travis, there's just never that dip in quality. And it's such an extension of his art, too. That's, you know, and I don't even know if Cardi gets this. um, But, like, Kendrick, the videos take you to what the album's about. Like, they somehow enhance the music itself. And Travis does that on the highest level. Um, WAP, I mean, it's it's, it's definitely a stop the presses video. But I don't know, for me, if it makes me appreciate the song any differently. Obviously, we haven't gotten an album yet know if it's part of something bigger. But I have uh you know, I have my doubts on that. Travis is just a whole other level. And, you know, it's probably very much at his own expense. Like videos don't make their money back like that, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, Not at all. But like Sicko Mode, I, I looked at it today and I think it was like six hundred and seventy seven million views, yeah. which is gigantic. And that was the biggest song of the year. And I gotta believe the video played a part in that. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta believe that the the largesse of that song also had a, played a part in him being offered the Super Bowl performance, too. Uh, and so there's a halo effect. But you know, that Super Bowl performance is interesting to me because Travis, he definitely beat, uh, marches to the beat of his own drum. Um, you know, he, he caught a lot of flack for that because it's at the time of the height of the, the, the Kaepernick protests and. You know, uh, supposedly Jay Z turned it down. Um, yeah. You know, Big Boy and Travis ended up performing with uh, with uh, Adam uh, Adam Levine. What's so, up? Uh, um, room Five. Room Five. Yeah. Um. And the question for me, though, is, you know so he does all this super artistic stuff, right? But he does a Super Bowl thing and he does this McDonald's thing now too where he's got like uh, a, a Travis Scott burger and I think there's a Travis Scott Happy Meal with like- Yeah, there's like a whole meal. And stuff like, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, you juxtapose and he's, he's in part of Fortnite too. So he's also in the biggest cultural things in a way that some would deem uh, or see potentially as selling out, you know? Yeah. But what? how do you- reconcile those things do you think they're they're um at odds you think it's all part of the same fact it's like what's your thought on that
0: i don't think that travis has played his integrity out to the extreme like you know it's 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 so weird and times have changed where now we respect so much hip-hop artists coming into business with high brands and getting the bag and i've seen the only thing like i actually you know i don't even know what the travis scott meal is i learned about it through memes that we're making fun of like fat young white hype beast like being like yo let me get the trav meal like right. and so i saw a lot of folks that were just like "Get yeah, travis get your money this isn't cultural appropriation at all um i don't know for me it's it's different than hammer with kfc
1: you know
0: um it's a certainly-
1: hammer but- kfc what about mary and burger king
0: oh that's right too I forget.
1: <laughs> 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 people forget yeah yeah <laughs> yeah sorry mary i mean but yeah um you know, I guess it's all in the execution. You know, yes. Yeah. The, the, uh, the Fortnite thing was definitely on a different artistic level. You yeah. know, so I saw that as being completely consistent with what he does. The McDonald's figurine, and that's a little tough for me, you know. and um, Oh, there's so, a figurine? Yeah, with the Happy Meal. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> oh, man, I, knew, I thought it was just a meal. You're, like, going, to get a, you're going to get a Happy Meal after this, aren't you, right? Oh, but, man, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Happy Meal is... Yeah, that, that's a little and the Super Bowl performance, I was like, uh, you know, like, why is he doing that? You know, yeah. especially that year. But yo, uh, you know, he's doing his he's doing his thing. So, you know, I got complaints. No okay. Yeah, and, and yeah.
0: Travis has never struck me as somebody who chases the spotlight. If anything, I think knowing what his live show means, he took the Super Bowl for exposure. I'll be the first one to tell you I didn't think the performance was that great that year unilaterally.
1: Yeah.
0: Um you know but yeah he's never been like a hey look at me guy he sort of does things on his own terms and the Fortnite thing was genius in a way that i don't even think i understand because i'm not a gamer like that
1: yeah i mean it was it was unbelievable like um yeah and it, and i saw it reach different levels like different generations like you know my 10 year olds looking at it people at work in their 40s and 50s were were talking about it. like it was it it, it it was a cultural phenomenon you know yeah. at a time when people definitely needed it because everyone's still in lockdown mode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we talked about Cardi as being a great video maker. Chris Rock earlier this week was on uh, Jimmy Fallon's show and Chris Rock said that Cardi B is one of the funniest people in the world. Like, and doubled and tripled down. He said that there's Dave Chappelle and then there's Cardi B. Like, And he said that he had actually tried to get her a network show uh, before she started getting the music, uh, like a comedy show. Uh, He thought that the the music stuff was a pipe dream or a waste of her talents. Like, Mm. what do you think? I mean, this is Chris Rock. This is not like, you know, Joe Schmoe up the street. This is Chris Rock, one of the top three, top five comedians in the world right now. Saying that Cardi B is up there with the person he considers to be the GOAT. Like, how crazy is that?
0: I mean, that's, that, that is crazy. And I, you know, I can't, I can't speak, you know, like having a a great, uh, you know, experience, but Cardi's definitely made me laugh, you know, like so many of her clips and I think she jumps on live and does things that entertain, but you know, she's quick on her feet. And I know people say, yeah, she's implemented writers for, you know, her rapping and things like that. Ain't no way on Instagram, you're going to be able to come up with somebody else's bit. So as we talk about Bud and leveraging his music career and doing all these other things. Yeah. Cardi could absolutely do that. Um, because she's also so raw and unfiltered, even with uh, you know, the stuff that's going on with her and offset right now, like it amazes me how transparent Cardi can be, even when messed up stuff's going on in her life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really, you know, I, I, I saw her It's similar, you know, I was never a loving hip hop fan. Didn't watch that. I wasn't on IG like that, uh, following her. But it was a Breakfast Club interview where I saw her, and I sat and I watched the whole hour. Cause you know, you and I both do this. We do stuff that that's homework. Like I, I, I tried to listen to the Money Bag Yo uh, album. Uh, yeah. I got like a half a song in it. Was, yeah. It was I couldn't, I couldn't. I got to go back. What well, is different headspace? But I will, like you know, fight through it because I know that you know, there's a cultural thing there. But with Cardi, I sat. And I wanted to see what all the hype was about. And this is before, you know, the album's dropped. This was still just... This is before love. Bodak Yellow, yeah. Yeah, Bodak. This is like, literally just... She's IG and um, love and hip-hop. That's it, you know. Um, but I saw just how, how authentic she is, how entertaining she is, and the, the quickness. And, you know, um, I've been a huge fan of hers, man. She sneaks in, like, really substantive shit, like, on the low. Like, she's just... She's incredible. So, uh, you know, that's an untapped side, though. I hadn't seen it to that level, but I'm really curious to see, like, how that sparks off in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So on the music side, um, Hit Boy, you know, uh, I think that this new Nas album is one of his best in, a, in quite a while. Um, and Hit Boy produced that entire album. He executive produced Big Sean's album, which I think mm-hmm. is really consistent a nice return for him. I haven't listened to that more than once and there wasn't anything that like jumped off of me that was like incredible, but good album, you know, solid. But, you know, now the word is that he is, has produced an entire album with Benny the Butcher and um, that has got me excited. So, you know, given that he's worked with those three artists and is doing either doing entire albums or overseeing the entire project, uh, would you say that he's had the best year as a hip-hop producer this year of anyone?
0: I think it would be early to call without Benny, and I don't want to give guys, you know, stamps of approval just because things are in existence. Um, yeah. If that were the case, I have a DJ Premier produced Nas album to sell you from 2005. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think it's really cool because is somebody that I don't know if he walked down the street if many people would notice him. So I think that 2020's been a breakthrough year for him. And you and I talked about it. I mean, the Nas album has a lot of versatility on it. And and Hit Boy met Nas in the middle and gave him a lot of different looks. That sounds like it could have three or four different producers on it, but it's just one. So hugely versatile. Um, Yeah, and and I agree with you, everything that you said on Sean's album. I think it's TBD. Um, So far in 2020, I mean, if you just want to talk about being prolific I think this is a really important year for Alchemist. Um, I know some folks have been a little bit tepid on the Freddie Gibbs project and the Conway uh, Lulu project, but again, like the volume of stuff that Alchemist does, in addition to hustling a lot of a la carte beats, you know, he'll do a lot of one and two tracks on on tons of albums. This is an important year for Al, and I think when the year comes to an end, it's worth revisiting all that he's accomplished. And I also think um, you know, it can get lost in the sauce, but I think LP really brought his A-game on RTJ4 um, and, and changed his sound a little bit. Um, yeah, so, I mean, those those couple guys are, are huge, and, you know, Hit Boy's dope, but, like, you know, there's guys like Muggs and Derringer and that, that just produce so many projects of different types of artists. I'm not ready to just give him that title based on two albums, one which isn't out yet, and an EP for, uh, you know, an executive production credit for Sean.
1: Yeah, you know, I was going to say uh, Derringer would be high up there for me just because the the, the the output is so voluminous, like, uh, and, yeah. and it's consistently great. Um, you know, Alchemist is one who I think is perpetually slept on, Like, right? You know, yeah. you, you never hear his name in those uh, co-producer discussions, but I think he's one of the best, for sure, you know. Across the board, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I hear you on that. Um, I do think that it's been an incredible return year for Hit Boy because he mm-hmm. had his he had his time in like uh, the early twenty teens, uh, you know, thirteen, fourteen or so, where he was like up there with, uh, you know. Uh, with the, the top producers at the time. Um, and he's had a resurgence, like the DJ Mustard and people like that. And he's yeah. had a resurgence, which, which I think is pretty dope. Mike so. Will and all
0: those guys. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and
0: one yeah. other thing on production too. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I seem like a stand based on some of the things that I've said on this program, but Royce, I mean, in 2020, I, you know, Royce's production, you know, just amazed me. And it went beyond his own album. He did some joints for M. um, Yeah, I'd be, like, he is very much, like, if if I was to come up with nominees right now, Royce, you know, definitely is is included in that.
1: Yeah, it's it's just crazy what Royce has done this year. Um, So, new music, Action Bronson drops an album. Did you get a chance to hear that? I did, twice, yeah. Only for Dolphins. Dolphins. Yeah, Yeah. it's short, you know, 36, 37 minutes, something like that. Mm -hmm. Dude, I thought it was phenomenal. Like, I, I really, I really uh, loved it. Like, it's a vibe. It's it's mellow. He's um, got a lot of saxophone in it and stuff like that. But I, I thought it was really, really cool. Great listen. But um, your yeah, interesting comment makes me think you, you think differently.
0: Yeah. I, um, you know, I've been a ground floor fan of Bronson since, like, J-Love mixtapes. Um, he's made some phenomenal work, including recently. You know, again, we talk Owl. You know, they had a, I think I'm getting the title wrong, but like lamb fried rice last year. And I really like the white Bronco album. This one to me, there's a lot to like about it. I, after two listens, I don't know that anything really, um, really sticks to me. Latin Grammys, which you put on our playlist is is my favorite song on the album. And that was produced by Tommy Moss, who did the Dr. Lecter album, which was Bronson's like 2011 real breakthrough. Um, And this one, I will say like, You know, if you're a beat head, this production lineup is insane. You got Muggs, Derringer, Alk, Budgie, Harry Fraud, Ant-Man Wonder. Like, there's a lot to love about that. But um, to me, it was just a little bit all over the place. Uh, A little bit too much of like, you know, let me make a bunch of 90s film references. And Bronson has shown in some spots that he's capable of depth and really honing an album. And this one was a little bit just like smoked out to me
1: interesting all right well i dropped a couple more songs on the, on the uh playlist i did mm-hmm. capoeira and shredder uh shredder's only two minutes but real soulful like um it, it was very soulful to me which is why um it gravitated toward me but yeah i'll be i'll be curious to see how this one opens up for you in time you know this yeah. one, it, uh, you know if it does but um uh, i enjoyed it it's actually one of my favorite albums to drop this year
0: oh wow that's okay uh, yeah. Yeah, and shout out to Bronson. He dropped 110 pounds, man.
1: That's crazy, and still going. It was just 80 like three, four weeks ago. So like he's he's going hard. That's good, yeah, man. man.
0: He'll be arm wrestling you one of these days.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Elsie also dropped an album. Um, what were your thoughts on that one?
0: Seven times down, eight times up is the title of the album. It's totally produced by J.R. Swifts, who heads may know from you know stuff with some of the Griselda guys. I really like the album. I mean, um, I didn't, you know, Elzai put out the single like a month ago while we were on hiatus. Um, I really enjoyed it. My favorite joint on the album is Light One, Right One, um, which is just one of those classic, you know, stream of consciousness in the moment, like what does Elle do? It's great rap about rap. Um, this isn't his deepest project, um, not his most personal, but I I really enjoy it and of all the music
1: that dropped this week. This has been the one I've been playing the most. Well, two the form, we completely disagree uh, <laughs> on the music tip. Like, okay. yeah, man, I was actually really disappointed with this one. You know, really? uh, I loved Lead Poison. You know, um, yeah, you no, know I love that. Two Sixteen was like in heavy rotation for me for a year and change, and I put it on a um, a playlist, one of my my favorite playlists too. So, like, I hear that song a lot. Like, I, and you know, I love Elside. Yeah, you know, like. Uh, as an MC, and I, I do like the, the lyrics, you know, he he's always got something interesting and substantive to say, but the beats weren't speaking to me. And uh, also the mixes I thought made it hard to like hear him mm. a lot of times, like um, there wasn't anything that jumped out at me or anything that I wanted to go back to, or even put on the playlist. So, mm. uh, but I will go back to that, you know, based on your opinion of it and you know, see if it opens up for me. But, yeah, it, it didn't really – it didn't speak to me, and I was surprised. And maybe because I had, like, high expectations, too. I had to go back and listen to it with, a, you know, a fresh set of ears, you know. But, yeah, yeah. It didn't, didn't connect for me.
0: I mean, and that happens with L. You know, I mean, Jericho Jackson was another dope project. Him and Crisis, I mean – It was crazy, I mean. Yeah. It was, and it was in conversation, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. And Elzai deserves so much more. I mean, he's one of those guys – not unlike a or Dave. I mean, so many of L's finest moments are w- with the slum village. A lot of it, you know, post Dilla slum village and, but L continues for those in the know to circle around, you know, the, the a-list class of MCs throughout the era. And um, yeah, I encourage you to, to listen again. I admit, when you say the mix, this album, I listened to computer speakers it wasn't a, like, let me sit in the chair with good headphones, a good sound system. So you might've heard some things that I didn't as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, another one that I think we agree on, was dropped a week ago, out of nowhere too, right? Um, it's funny because a friend of mine um, had a song on IG and it was, it was banging. She just played the, the Snoop clip and I was like, yeah, what is this new Snoop? Like, and it turned out it was Snoop problem and, I forget who the third person was, but I was like oh, Jack Harlow. Right? Jack Harlow, right? No, 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 not a no, different song. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um. Uh. I was like, huh? Like that is uh, that's dope. And I saw it was problems. And then I said, huh? He just dropped an album, and so I went and checked it out. It's coffee and Kush. I sent you uh, the song of the day from it. I was being, nothing. I was, I was definitely being like, it's a, it a sneak send, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to. Uh, you hit anyway. me early
0: Saturday morning with it. I knew yeah. That it's was early,
1: early Saturday morning, like, hey, check this out. Right. It was nothing. It was problem Jack Harlow and J Rock. Oh, word, J Rock. J Rock, J Rock just murdered his murdered. verse. Like J Rock is on a tear this year. He's just, he's just destroying guest verses. Like yeah. you know, Anderson mm-hmm. pack locked down, but. I listened to that and I was like, let me check out this album. The whole album is only 32 minutes. Again, like really digestible, but incredible. Freddie Gibbs and Snoop Dogg um, This Don't Be Mad at Me. It's Freddie Gibbs, the third person on it. Um, Production is amazing. And and he's just, he's just talking about so much stuff. You know, he's really just, that dude has slept on I know, I know you got thoughts on that part, but like, yeah, break that down, you know, Talk about some of the things
0: you mentioned in No, I mean, Problem was like emerging. I remember it was like Malice in Wonderland. Like around 2009, 2010, I started hearing a lot about Problem. And around the same time, like J-Rock was out, but you really started hearing more about like Kendrick and Q. Um, and all of a sudden, I feel like the TD movement eclipsed what was going on with Problem and, and, and Bad Luck, who was his label mate for all those years. And he's just, he stayed consistent. He's put a lot of music out. My favorite being what he did with Quick, the Rosecrans project, which AFH was, you know, heavy on when it dropped. But to me, this is, it's funny, like even the title, like Coffee and Kush volume two, like it sounds like a, a mixtape. It sounds like it could be something you experience on Dad Piff. And yet this is one of the best projects I've heard this year, especially out of the West coast. in what to me feels like a very East coast heavy year. Um, and, yeah, you put me onto it. I really – it's coming through Rostrum, which is the label that, you know, introduced uh, the folks to Wiz Khalifa and Mac Miller uh, from my hometown of Pittsburgh. And, yeah, I mean, nothing, the joint you showed me. And then he goes right into a song, Nothing But Love, which is is just funky. And uh, it ends really well. Just really, really, really an enjoyable listen. And it was it was so good that actually last weekend when you said me, I was like, yo, I've been sleeping on a problem. Let me go back and check volume one. Let me listen to all of these projects that I might have missed that he's put out. And you're absolutely right. Like, this guy deserves his
1: props. Yeah, and he's got a a song, a storytelling song. I think it might be Life Lessons, where Mm -hmm. he talks about the cycles of, like, you know, not having a father and, like, what what that can lead to. Yeah, the dude's deep, man. I I love him. Like, I think he's just, like, I think he's such an underrated West Coast talent. But, yeah. uh, Yeah, you know, uh, so another guy we both love from the West is Reason. Mm. And it looks like he, it seems like he might be gearing up for a new album, because he's dropped two um, songs in the last like two weeks, The Soul Part Two, which, uh, you know, the soul, the the original, that was my song for an entire year. Like, I mean, like, just like, made me into a reason stand. I went checked out the mixtape, like, Super excited about doing the interview that we did with him. Um, you know, and he's a metal too. He's a really good, dude. Real humble. But Soul Part Two came out, and then Sauce. Uh, I actually like Sauce better, uh, even than Soul Part Two uh, with Vince Staples. And I thought it was a cool video and everything too. But I know you've had kind of a mixed reception to that. So what, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, Sauce wasn't my favorite. To be fair, as we talk about videos enhancing songs, I haven't seen the video yet. I only listened to the audio. Um, I agree with like the soul was the most I've been excited by a new artist in some years. And that was truly one of my mantra records of I think 2019 and well, the end of 2018 is when it came out. Um, so the part two, like that's a heavy jacket to wear and he more than delivered. I agree with you. I think we're getting an album. Um, You know, one of my good friends, Michelle is doing, doing some work on it. And I feel like reason it's funny because, you know, TDE had this like first look partnership with Interscope. So, you know, in the early years, we got Kendrick and then it felt like they were figuring out what to do. Q came out and then J-Rock. They're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Isaiah Rashad. And I feel like Reason is not coming through the major label system. And normally I don't get hung up on that stuff. But I'm like, let this guy, like, let him cook. Like, yeah. And I, I don't know what input um, Interscope ever offers TDE. My hope is none. But if you give Reason the rock and let him put out music, you know, as we talk about prolific artists, with the, you know, as, as consistently and frequently as some of his peers, we're in trouble. Like, if you give him the Dreamville type of, like, let him put out records as often as
1: he wants, we are in trouble. And, yeah. Well, the solo is actually 2018 if you can believe it, man. That's what I'm saying, like, at the yeah. very end. yeah. No, nah, no, nah. it was like summer of 2018. I oh, remember wow. distinctly because I went back and checked out the mixtape. I remember where I went. I, I banged it like uh, I was on vacation in August of 2018 listening to that mixtape in the soul repeatedly. And then I interviewed him like that in September. So Word, yeah. that's been two years, man. And to your point, like it's been two years and the only project he's really released, it was a mixtape, a re-release of a a, a, a subsequent mixtape to the free, um, the free, um, uh, mixtape. Um, and so, yeah, his, his output has been pretty limited. You know, he had, he's had a couple of one offs. He's had the joints with, um, you know, with Dreamville, you know, came the point in on those he, dreamer sessions to the point yeah. where he mentions like, you know, people, you know, talking about him being on Dreamville, Good. not on TDE. So yeah, he needs to run, man. I, I want to see him run, like, you know, g- you know, get his. So.
0: And I, I mean, I'm, I'm as excited about reason as I am, you know, maybe with the exception of Kendrick, anybody on TDE. Like yeah. I just, uh, I've been waiting for this album and I really think he can brand himself uniquely and differently. And, uh, yeah, the soul part two has been in heavy rotation and I will check out that video.
1: Yeah. I said that t- I went to the J rock show and I met reason there. And, you know, I was telling top that like, I was as excited uh, about reason as I had been anyone since Kendrick, you know, like, uh, um, yeah, I think he's, he's special, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's all I had, uh, you know, some other stuff on here that I haven't gotten to, but if you want to shout it out, like, definitely feel free.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just encourage anyone, um, you know, check out, check out the new album from Rex, um, you know, we were on hiatus when it dropped, but, um, you know, Rex out of Lawrence, Massachusetts, that's been, you know, and, and Knox had some, had a scorcher on the Locks album. He also gave Rex some heat. So as we talk about production that, um, you know, kind of on the, on the singing R&B tip, Salt has put out their second album this year. Um, I say they, I believe it's it's a couple people in the group. Um, but de- definitely, uh, been listening to that. And then again, from my hometown of Pittsburgh, I want to give it up to the grown folks. Um, they put out a new joint with Jazzy Jeff on it and it's just called grown folks. And, these are two really talented MC and producer, Masai Turner and Akilah Soon. And that's been a heavy rotation for me. And uh, yeah, they have a project on the way that I think uh, will excite a lot of the heads. That's
1: dope. You know, uh, I just downloaded Rex. Um, you know, again, if, if you check out us, our, our uh, playlist on Spotify, it's just Ambrosia for Heads, you'll find a lot of this new music. So that's dope, man. Um, well, yo, uh, it's great to be back. In action you, man. after a hiatus, I kicked it off the locks. We got some sounds like we got some cool guests lined up for the, 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 the upcoming weeks, and so yeah, exactly. stay tuned. Stay well, let tuned. me uh,
0: as you dip, man. What's your what's your what's your song of the week, man?
1: Oh man, song of the week. Wow, uh, you know what? I'm gonna go and um, I'm gonna say the song I sent you yesterday, which is Rap with uh, Action Bronson um, on Only for Dolphins. Uh, okay. I think that one is dope. Real strong opener. Um, you know, uh, yeah, Bronson got me back with this one, man. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's mine. How about you?
0: You know, I, and, and we, I just glossed over it, but, you know, Conway the Machines, uh, From a King to a God, is my favorite Conway album to date. And I, um, I just, as, as Benny and Gunn have come with really meaningful projects over the last three years, this is a Conway standout moment. So from that one, there's a joint, Juvenile Hell, which has Lloyd Banks on it, who sounds great alongside Conway, um, Havoc from Mob Deep, who's been a past guest of our show, and Flea Lord, who's you know, Conway's man, big supporter of AFH, and, and just put out an album with Pete Rock. So uh, I encourage anyone to check out that joint. Um, just makes you want to put Timberlands before the weather calls for it. Word. That's dope. All right, man. Yo, always a pleasure. Likewise, man. Until, until we meet again uh let have peace